<laughs> I heard that plane, but it sounded like it was coming from in my ear. In, in my the plane, well, the plane heard KJ talking about it, so that's why it's flying overhead right now. Yeah, the room that I'm recording in decided to take off. So. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did think I noticed you start to float. So we're going up. We're going up to thirty thousand feet. We're going broadcasting up to thirty thousand feet. <laughs> broadcasting live. You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to The John Chi Show with your boys, KJ, Nathan, and Patrick, here with another episode of your favorite Korean adoptee podcast. Dude, I totally thought you were going to, like, auction something off right there. That was very, like, fast, like, no. talking. <laughs> I was trying like... to think about, like, uh, this aircraft is equipped with six, oh. six exit Again, flanks. Two at the front, the two plane. at the... Yeah, like, it just felt six like... Six exit flanks. The, the, the cadence of it just felt very, like, uh, however they do, like, the... Your seat cushion is a, lo- a flotation device, and in the event of pressure loss in the cabin uh, mask will drop down and you get whatever but like make sure you attach your own mask first before securing anyone else's yeah you don't want you to pass out before you (laughs) attach a baby's thing onto them and then then you both pass out yeah so (laughs) you idiot whoa hey some people haven't flown before sorry 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 you'll find out wow don't be anti non-flyer anti-flyest whatever (laughs) no anti-non-flyest anti-driver i don't know whatever I think that would be more uh, pro is, driver. This is the John Chi show. Nathan, will you bring us back to center and tell us what <laughs> tell the listeners what what John Chi means? Sure. We are John Chi show. John Chi meaning <laughs> feast celebrate. Uh we are celebrating and feasting on our Korean adoption heritage. Oh, well, I'm eating up feasting, my Korean adoption. I'm feasting up my my adoption. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> We're just exploring. We are three Korean American adoptees. Boys. Trying to find ourselves in the world. But uh, yes, what about you guys? How are you this May? We are, well, I mean, I can't believe it's May. It's almost, you know, half the, the year here coming up and uh, coming up soon. It's like going well, technically, fast, Technically, we've guess. just passed over the halfway point of the year, I think. Because wouldn't mid-May be the middle, the exact middle of the year? I, I could ask Wouldn't it be sometime right in June? now, but I'm going to refrain. Oh, it totally would be in June. Duh. You know how yeah. June is month six and there's 12 <laughs> months in a year? Is that how many? Is I that don't know how that works. I don't, I don't keep know. track. Can I count my fingers? Like I don't I, keep track. <laughs> do the days. Dude, if you counted your fingers and went up to 12, that would be like, <laughs> that'd be a whole show extra digits. Yeah. <laughs> like, called extra one. digits with Nathan Nowak. Extra my, digits. Maybe I was just going <laughs> to count my knuckles. carry the three. Count my toes. That's funny. Um, I'm doing great. Well, relatively speaking, I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's just give our producer Jerry a shout out for his birthday. That was just yeah, on the 16th yeah. a few days ago. Woo. Jerry, Jerry's a busy guy, man. He's uh, every post I see on online. He's, he's, uh, all over the place, going places, doing things, speaking. That's great. On every single post you see online, Jerry yep. is on every yeah. one of them. Yeah. He's, yeah, the he's, whole internet is playing Six Degrees of Jerry <laughs> 1 right now. It's all I see on my feed is Jerry this, Jerry that. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes that is what I see on my feed. <laughs> on LinkedIn, it's a lot of Jerry. But yeah. he's got a lot to say, a lot of good things to say. Yeah, Patrick, you're getting busy on LinkedIn. What's up with that, man? Uh, Yeah, just trying to share my story and 
different avenues and platforms that are not Facebook specific uh, and a little bit more professional setting, I guess, if LinkedIn can be considered the professional social media platform. Oh, it's definitely that. I would, in I like would consider Arguably that, yes. the grossest way possible. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, I don't know. I This is no like personal shade to any specific LinkedIn user. This is just generally how I find LinkedIn users. It's all just like gross businessy bragging and like fake humility so it's just an annoying platform to me because like that's like how it's built you know it's like it's built as quote-unquote professional networking so like any status update or something it's like i was featured in this thing and i <laughs> blah 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 and blah. this is a professional accolade that i received or i'm so honored to be receiving this award that i had to put effort into announcing to my followers so that i get validation and people hire me to do more things or like I don't know. It just is annoying to me. Or it's like, and uh, it's either that or it's automated. Like this person got a new job. Celebrate with them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anniversary. Cool. This person, yeah, just just reached their three year anniversary of the job. S- send them a message. I'm like LinkedIn. I know you're like super horny for users, but like, come on. It's I think just, that, yeah. it's a weird does, space that person probably in. doesn't even know that it's their three year or four year anniversary. So yeah, I don't know. They might. I, don't I know. get that. I do think that you have to be able to self-promote and hype yourself up, though, when you get certain things like that. I think when you get awards or accolades, it's okay to. I get what you're saying from a from a fake humble perspective, like a fake humility perspective. Well, it's not even like it's not even that. Like, I'm not necessarily calling people fake humble. Like, I think it's fine to celebrate yourself, but when a platform is dedicated to like that kind of thing for the purposes of networking, it just gets gross really quickly. Like Facebook, if you're like talking about your life and you at least present yourself as a somewhat more whole person and then you're like, oh, also I got this work award thing and that's cool. Like that's nice, you know, or like on Instagram or whatever. Because it's not like your whole feed. But like LinkedIn, like your whole feed is your work life. But like maybe this is a personal problem. I don't do enough in my work life to make a whole feed about it. You know, so I'm just like – Here's the latest thing that I did that makes me fantastic, but it's but not. They're just not like, hiding it. At least I, I don't mean, feel it's all like all up front. But I also like, don't feel good about like talking about I don't know, like just a win with my wife. Maybe that means I should do that on LinkedIn more. Make make LinkedIn the space that I want to see. But I also don't care enough about the platform. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, I totally get that, and I think picks. that you know, having spent a lot of time with Jerry over the past few weeks and seeing what he does on the platform and granted that his business, like he's in the business of storytelling. So his posts are going to be very focused on the Asian American experience and everything that's going on. And obviously peppered in with the accolades and awards that he gets to do, like he's going to the white house and he posted about that, uh, which I think he very well should. Absolutely should. Yeah. I think that um, I'm approaching it from like a place of, because I want to be, I want to continue to tell stories. I don't. I don't want to be Jerry. Um, you don't want to be Jerry, Jerry Wan. You want to be Jerry Wen. Yeah, Jerry I don't Wen. know. <laughs> but I think that I just want to utilize it. A, it's just a different place, a different audience for me to share my own story. And I think I've been leaning pretty heavily into wanting to share that even more openly and vulnerably than I have been even over these last two years on my own platform. And I think as I think about my career specifically and what I want to do, I think it makes a lot of sense just personally for me to utilize <laughs> the platform. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's it, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it the same way I thought about sharing my story on Instagram for the first time. It's yeah. just like trying to build an authentic, authentically engaged audience as opposed to just having 
you know, a thousand followers or whatever the case is like hoping that these people are here for my story, able to resonate with it, share their own and be willing to talk about things that aren't specifically professionally related. So being able to have those conversations a little bit more deeply on that type of platform. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that like Jerry represents for me, at least like kind of the best version of what LinkedIn could be, but just like the nature of LinkedIn, like, I'm just like, this is still annoying to me just overall. Well, I mean, I, I take it as it's, it's known that that's what LinkedIn, I mean, before LinkedIn yeah, even added like the features kind of, of, of a wall and liking posts and things like that, it was just a place for like a resume in a way. It was a digital resume. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so it was always business related. And then when they added the social media aspect of it, I mean, I don't see people on there posting pictures of their kids or food or things like that. So it's kind of like, Whereas Facebook, like you get a little bit of everything. So, you know, it's at least it's yep. up front that that's what you're going to see if you go there. I was there. on Facebook the other day <laughs> and like was scrolling through and I was just like, literally, what am I even doing here? I didn't recognize like <laughs> half of the people in my feed. I unfriended a number of people that I did recognize. <laughs> I like muted some people. I was just like, who is this for? Like, why am I, what am I doing here? <laughs> this has my name on it, but I don't know anything that's happening here. Yeah. Like I can't delete it because Someone I'm a social media account. manager, but like, I'm just sure. like, I don't, it's not worth it. I think the other thing too, is that we see, especially as the adoptee community continues to rise up and utilize their voice. I think that's another platform that maybe isn't as populated by our community. And hopefully, you know, the things that I share and the experience that and the lens that I am sharing my own story through can bring a little bit more of that um, encouragement or engagement from the adoptee community themselves to share a little bit more of their authentic story. I know there are a lot of adoptees on LinkedIn and I follow quite a few who share a lot of really good things, um, especially from a scholastic side of like different studies and stuff that you obviously will see floating around on Facebook and Instagram, but I feel like is kind of tailored for the audience that LinkedIn provides. So hoping to be part of whatever this adoptee movement might be on LinkedIn as well. No, I mean, I think it's great. And I think that like Jerry is making a career as a professional diverse storyteller, basically. Um, And I think that's fantastic. And his pathway then illuminates a pathway for you as a professional diverse storyteller. And your story is different in that you're an adoptee and you bring a different flavor in that. But like, that's literally how we build a new table, you know? Right. And I, I think it's so wonderful because like there aren't, I mean, realistically, even if you take it, the pool of 200,000 Korean adoptees globally, like how many of them are going to be professional storytellers who are in America, who speak English, who do, you know, X, Y, Z kind of thing for us to rally around. Like, just like the pool is so small um, because adoptees are diverse and we do a bunch of things and we'll probably just use like our adoptee identities are things that we just kind of hold and exist as, but they're not like necessarily uh, the lens through which we speak, even if it's the lens right. through which we view. Um, or at least maybe we're not explicit about it, you know? So it's like, it's helpful and wonderful to see you being explicit about it and others being explicit about it. And, um, whether it's adoptees who think critically about their adoption plus theology or their adoption plus, uh, I don't know, like web development or adoption plus counseling or, you know what I mean? Like having adoption plus this other kind of quote unquote more generic trade, I think it's nice, right? And that's the beauty of diversity is we get 
like whatever trade we find ourselves in, if we're able to speak and think critically and explicitly about adoption and how that shapes who we are, then I think it's really wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for you and more power to you. I will celebrate everything that you post on, on LinkedIn, you know, it's just like <laughs> at the same time and just be like, ugh, why am I on LinkedIn? So <laughs> no, for sure. And I think the other part of it too, is that I think I've been really focused on the intersectionality of all these different communities and especially the communities that I'm a part of. And I think that it's important for us to be able to move it. Like you said, because we're so small, like we have to kind of take up space in these different spaces. Uh, and especially when somebody like a Jerry is able to blaze a path that we can kind of walk down and branch off from in order to create our seats at the table. I think just having leaned into that and being really more vocal, especially since like the shooting in Dallas and the one in Laguna beach, um, and on top of that, everything happening with Buffalo or that happened in Buffalo, uh, with the white supremacist terror attack, just feeling like, feeling like it's time to really be intentional about the words that I'm using and what it is that I'm speaking about, because I can either be part of the problem, which is not talking about it, which is a large part of the issue, or we can start to really lean into these things that I've been talking about tangentially for the last two years, but maybe not have been as focused on as I should be. So I think part of the move to LinkedIn is also to, again, do it a little bit differently, reach a different audience and be more intentional about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can see how though there's other things like the networking aspect of it. Um, I mean, if you're looking for, I mean, one of our last guests, you know, we were talking about um, finding like therapists and stuff that have, um, you know, experience with adoption related, you know, mental health and stuff. I think maybe LinkedIn would be a better place than any other place to to find that um, if you're looking for people who are both adoptees or have experience in that. I mean, because you can categorize things, you can hashtag things, you can, um, you can search like you can in any other social media type of, of <laughs> of location and then i love that your your take is guys it's the internet okay we can do anything you can do it when i was your age we only had an encyclopedia we only... <laughs> am i am i giving the internet too much credit right now is that what you're saying <laughs> no. that i'm still amazed at how much information is on the world wide web <laughs> it's it's just amazing i mean you're right though it is that is the another part of it is the networking aspect and mm -hmm. i will say that even the few posts that i've done because i've really only been active on there for like the last two weeks um like my introductory post i had a few people reach out to me directly and just they were adoptees and just thanked me for sharing their story or my story and talking about that because it's not a platform that we're really having that discussion on you know uh like kj said in a critical way and so it does open the door for people, especially who have reached kind of the higher levels, like the C-suite and everything like that, to maybe start to talk about their own story and their own experiences as adoptees a little bit more. And to be able to not only connect with them and know them, but for them in their position of privilege and power to start sharing vulnerably and openly, you know, again, like what Jerry does, it opens the door for more people to not only start to share uh, themselves, but to feel like, okay, I can make it to that same place. I can reach that level um, as well. And 
not that being an adoptee should hold us back in any way, but you know, there's a lot of self-limiting beliefs that can come along with that as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, like I said, I think it's really great that you're there and I'm excited to see more adoptee content there. I'm going to shift gears um, and just talk about current events because I think it's on all of our minds in some form or fashion um, or it's not on our minds because we blocked it out, which I, is hmm. kind of where I am. And it's one of those like weird, like, so I heard about the um, the shooting in Dallas, which I, I haven't even kept up with it um, in terms of like any, any news that's breaking beyond just that it happened. Um, there was a, a shooting in what I will refer to as old Koreatown because there's also kind of a new Koreatown popping up. But like old Koreatown is where I grew up. Um, and that's like where I went to Korean karaoke or Norebang, as Jerry would have us call it, uh, the Korean way to say that. Um, yeah, it was just like, I don't know, when, it, when the news broke, I was like, oh, no, I I can't deal with this right now uh, because I was in the middle of cooking dinner and work was really stressful and Sarah and I were, you know, it was just like a whole thing. And so I just like focused on that. But then I like as I sat down to like literally read the news and like just retweet something like do the bare minimum i just got really sad and then i was like is this what it's going to be like for the rest of my life um which on the one hand <laughs> in a weird way i was like hooray i'm a person of color in america like i just didn't have to think about that and so like celebrating how easy it was for me to grieve with my community at the same time feel so heartbroken and so sad both that this thing happened and that it happened like on my doorstep and like it's not just the coasts and um yeah i don't know like i that was just a lot um yeah, yeah i know that i'm fairly certain where that had happened at was pretty close to where y'all met up yeah uh, it was yeah like 0.2 miles i think i saw katie yeah. had or not that far so, I mean, I, I, it just makes, like you said, it's not just the coast, like makes it, brings it really close to home. And, you know, when I heard about it, it feels like, because I think at the beginning of this month, I was really like, okay, we're going to lean into the joy of the community and mm -hmm. finding that joy. And like, for me, the first week of APAM was incredible because I got to do a bunch of stuff and meet a, a, a lot of really incredible people. But it feels like right now, and honestly it's been this way for the last 400 years that it's just there's just no reprieve to be able to celebrate like to feel like you can truly celebrate the joy even though you should and even though we all should but it's just like we, you come back from something amazing happening and then boom dallas happens and then you don't even get you know uh, a chance to catch your breath and then what happens in buffalo happens and then not even a day later the shooting in laguna beach happens uh, which is a whole can of worms, which is completely, it, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to feel like you can even exist with a state of happiness when it's like, when you're constantly seeing your community and other marginalized communities be caught under fire constantly, constantly, constantly. And and being afraid as well. I, I, yeah. I feel like, like, I mean, now that I'm, you know, 
in the middle of the country more than I was. Like you said, it's it's not just happening on the coast; it's happening everywhere. I, I fear, you know, just as much here as I did in in, in the West Coast, and uh, fear for my family or when they go out or when you know I go out with them. <clears throat> so yeah, it's I I, I hate that feeling. Um, and we, I, I just wrote about it a little bit today, um, and we talked about it a little bit in our last episode, but it makes me, it's really made me think about the ways, the different ways we experience Asian America and how for people like in the Midwest or people in these rural areas where Asian America is small, finite, <laughs> I'm only laughing. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, a, you can cut <laughs> no, that out. Fine. Yeah, that was a bad timing. Uh, I'm gonna leave it in. Um, it's but, fine. What, I'm sitting in an office and I didn't move, and so the lights turned off. So I had to wave my arms around to say I am, in fact, still that's here. Funny. Like the episode is over. We we are closing the episode. Now. No, um, <laughs> that's all. Thanks, think, everybody. Think about the isolation. <laughs> um. Anyways. Feeling or thinking about those caught in isolation who, like you said, Nathan, are feeling this fear and not having as much of an outlet or as much of a community to be able to lean into because you can do that online. And we've talked Mm -hmm. about the importance of online community, especially in the pandemic. And that probably has saved a lot of people just to be able to connect with another person through Instagram or on Zoom or whatever the case is. But it still makes me think about how we can find ourselves on these islands and not really feel like we have anyone we can turn to when we're trying to sort through and unpack and process all of this pain. And so, yeah, that fear is so real. Like, I don't know. I'm a, like, I'm I'm a cis male, Korean male, six foot. I have, I have height privilege if that's a thing. Um, (laughs) I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm class privilege, things like that. And, I don't necessarily fear, I never used to really fear my own physical safety, but even now I think about that. And I think, and then, but for people who don't carry that same privilege as me, like it's, I can't even, it's hard to even imagine like how that fear manifests itself, how it hangs over you and how you can't escape it because every single time you turn the, you look at the news or you turn the TV on, another thing has happened to make you question everything that's going on and to make you feel that fear again. And it's tough. Yeah, I know. I hear you. I, I think, uh, you know, I fear just because, you know, I, I never know what uh, the situation, I'm still kind of adjusting here back in Colorado. I mean, luckily I was, you know, here before. And so, um, you know, I know it's very friendly here. I, I haven't had, I, ha- I have to say I've been lucky. I don't feel like I'm, I'm a target. Um, and, uh, maybe that's just, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because I've gotten so comfortable being in LA. Um, but it's only recently since, since, uh, um, I don't know the last year that we've been here now is that I've, I felt different than I did when I first was here, I guess is what I was trying to say. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the pandemic and because of all the, the Asian hate that's happened. So. Well, I definitely do think it's like a privilege to feel comfortable in your environment and surrounding. Mm-hmm. And I think when we have that, like, I do think it becomes more imperative on us who carry that to be a little bit more vocal and especially be uh, what Michelle Kim calls the second courageous person. So the person that after somebody stands up and speaks out, being that second person who 
who uh, stands with them backs in solidarity and backs yeah. them up. Yeah. And I think that for me, what that has looked like, because I've been very, you, you both know, I've been very vocal on Instagram and on social media Are you saying about a lot of different things, <laughs> being loud, being the loud emoji. Um, <laughs> but something I've had a privilege that I have that I don't talk about very often is that I have been very privileged to not have received direct hate either in my comments or on my DM or in my DMS from people who disagree with what I say. And yeah, I feel like I good. say a lot of stuff that people would be like that. I think that some people would be like, nah, dude, I disagree. Now I'm going to come at you in the comments and in your DMS. But I will say that I see so many people hate on specifically women, uh, mm-hmm. women of color, regardless of what they say, they could say something that has nothing to do with whatever, and they will be targeted by people. And I think that because for whatever reason, people don't feel the need to come at me. Like it does make me feel, yeah, yeah, the height privilege, (laughs) but it does make me feel, I do care. I do think it is a privilege that for whatever reason, nobody has done that. So then I have to, I don't have to, but I do think it is imperative for me to step up and defend and amplify the voices of those who are being attacked like that. That's why I call the spoke about the, the height privilege, you know, in public, while I do feel that fear, somebody is probably going to go harass a woman before mm-hmm. they come and harass me. And that's the same thing that happens online. I see women all the time in our community who just are subjected to the nastiest fucking things that any person could say to another person. And it's so it makes me so sad their bravery to be able to share what has happened and then take enough time to delete that away. So that's not, that comment's not harming anybody else who comes to their posts, I think is incredible and needs to be commended and and talked about a lot more. But I think I said all of this essentially to say that that fear that we feel, I think we have to look at it too, within the context of how we, how we are treated individually and by people who come at us with hate and know that if we don't experience it as much, that we can do more for the people who do experience it uh, quite a bit more often than we do. Um, and what that looks like, whether it's stepping up in the comments or whatever the case may be, I think is different for every person. But I do think it's important to name that and to be willing to have the conversation with ourselves that we need to step up and, and do that for our people. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I think about that all the time. like. For as much as I have done work to accept myself and think of myself as an adoptee and Asian American, like to me and disabled, to me, the highest delineator, I guess, whatever, is like gender. And like just being a man gives me like a stupid amount of more privilege than any other thing that would offset any, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. I don't know. It's just, it is so frustrating uh, to know that I am part of multiple marginalized communities. And also that because I'm a man, I just still have more privilege than (laughs) like, I don't know, white women probably like, it's just, it's just a wild place um and i can't get away from and i think this is also just like growing up i had a well well meaning but incredibly naive and just dumb understanding of what it meant for like to actually advocate for gender equality 
but like that was always a thing that was on my mind and i think i went about it the wrong way because like you know christianity and stuff um but just like the need to like defend women and blah 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 i'm like no they can they're they're doing fine on their own but like what does it actually mean to be a supporter of them and all that kind of stuff but um yeah so i think like i just i'm i'm always so aware of that uh and it makes me angry and i I don't know what to do with it beyond just be like, this is super angry because there are, I mean, obviously there are probably equal parts, men and women in my life, arguably more women in my life than men. Um, and so it's just like, how do I think about my privilege as a man while also balancing my lack thereof as an Asian and disabled and a shorter person <laughs> like uh like literally like i mean like we joke about height privilege which is amazing um but also like realistically to your point like i am not nearly as physically imposing as like a six foot person or a right. person who's six two mm-hmm. or you know what i mean so just like in terms of that i'm just like i i don't know like i i remember at a, at a, a make a wish event that i was volunteering at Sarah and her coworkers, who are all female, sent me up to a different area to be the bouncer. And I was like, you're sending one smallish Asian <laughs> dude to be a bouncer for this event. Not that like I expected anything to happen, but it was right. just like even still in that situation where there was like a whole group of women, they still sent me up as like the person. I was like, I, I don't even know what, what to do. But I think that just so speaks to this weird intersection and like how and why I talk about intersectionality so much is because when the rubber meets the road, like have we done enough thinking and preparing to actually act appropriately and act in a way that supports and uplifts and amplifies and protects ourselves and protects the people that we um, are wanting to be allies to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of where we find ourselves on the privilege or underprivileged spectrum, I guess. The only place I ever have height privileges on an airplane. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I don't get it. Great. <laughs> it's I didn't the get lack it. of height privilege. What? Come on, it's because there are shorter seats and I have more space. Oh. Uh... Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but okay. Anyways, I do think you're. I do 100% agree with what you said, KJ. Um, I think that. I've been really in this mode of addressing my own privilege too and thinking about it in the context of how I show up as an ally for other communities and thinking to myself, you know, am I being accountable to myself or am I holding myself accountable when I fall short of being an ally or am I just glossing over it and saying, oh, well, get it on the next pass, you know, instead of like actually sitting with that. And so... You know, I think when I ask anybody that question, if it's not anything but yes, it means we have to do the work to do or we have work to do. Um, And yeah, it's it does make me very, very angry. Um, It makes me angry because it feels like there's more I, I need to do personally to like head off all of these bigots and all of these people that hate who jump into these comments and the DMs and and make people's life miserable um, and make them feel terrible because for no other reason than that person is like, I don't like what you've said. And maybe not even that. Maybe they're just bored and that's what they do. And they just troll. Yeah, but he trolls. it is infuriating. And yeah. obviously we can't literally go onto the internet and be 
internet bouncers of comments and DMs. It's like stop the people the hate from coming in. <laughs> well, but there's, it there's feels one like guy I that wish does a really good job that. of it. There's yeah, one guy I wish who makes a lot of comedy from it. Well, social media needs to step up their game with yeah, the hate. We need more blocking. of those people. But yeah, it does make actually, me angry as well. Yeah. I speak. I, I recently actually just found out about a software company that's um, still in the startup phases, but essentially they're using algorithms to try to help uh, um, detect fake news. So, you know, some some programmers out there, maybe we can find ways of detecting hate or detecting trolls or detecting just you know stuff. But then, then what happens? Does Elon just allow it to come back in? <laughs> So I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes. right. Because that's so that's, that's how where, money works. Yeah. I know. I mean, that's how money works. That's the title of this episode. That's how money works. <laughs> even though we've Makes literally not terrible. even talked about it, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just the whole that that whole thing is something just that the just, I thought of. I just thought of that recently. Do the whole freedom of speech and accept <laughs> the internet. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think the title of the episode is Nathan is amazed by the internet. I thought the title of the episode was going to be just Jerry like a... because that's what we talked about for the first half of it. You know what Jerry. You know what it makes you think of is is uh, in Parks and Rec when Chris and Ben first come in as state auditors and Chris is like, gosh, that is amazing. That is a great idea. Ben, can we do anything about that? And Ben's like, no. No. Ah, oh, dang. <laughs> well, sorry, we can't do anything about that. I need to go well, run we 10, tried. 10 miles. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what it feels yeah. like where Nathan is like, God, that is that is amazing. Internet, can we do anything about that? Internet, no. Well, we tried. I'm going to run 10 miles. That's a good miles. meme. Let's go, go ahead and make that meme. Somebody. I don't know listening. how to make memes, but... <laughs> meme generator. Make it happen. Make it happen. Gonna, you think I'm about to find out how to make memes? Like, I got that time? Come on. Um, yeah, I find that I'm also, like, wrestling with my minority identity being a zero-sum game when it's totally not like i just i don't know i saw a reminder on instagram that said make room for black joy and i was like yeah make room for black joy then i was like if i make room for black joy does that mean that i have to make room or that i don't make room for asian joy like you know what i mean like right there's like so many i was like it's not it doesn't work like that but i just right mm-hmm I fall into that trap and I think about uh, just like so I'm like, oh, but they're the people who are more oppressed than I am or the people who need more support than I am. And, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm okay. Like I just forget to actually care for myself while thinking about all of this intersectionality and thinking about all of this complexity and trying to be the person that I would be proud of. Like if I were to see my own bio on whatever Instagram or just like when I die, the Lord reads my life back to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of that guy. You know, however that works out. Sure. Like, yeah. And I just forget to, that I'm allowed to care for myself and I forget that I'm allowed to make room for my own joy and not in a gross way, <laughs> not in a LinkedIn kind of way, but just in like a, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> no, I totally, I absolutely totally get that because I feel the same way. And I feel like Emily and I have actually been talking about like, transactional relationships and how we don't want to fall into that trap of feeling like you have to give up this in order to do this together and or you have to like this and but you but to like this to like the same thing you have to give up something like that it's just like you know it just doesn't work that way and i think the same thing goes with 
finding joy within our own communities and within ourselves while also holding space for the joy of other communities because we need to be celebrating them and we need to be uplifting them. But it doesn't mean it's at the expense of it's and and with and doing those things together because when we're able to start celebrating each other, then we're really able to fall into that mode of solidarity that we're really trying to find that will lead us towards actual collective liberation because we can't just do that based on the tragedies and on the terrible, terrible things that are being done to our communities and to the people of our communities. Um, and while that's where a lot of things are found are founded in or grounded in that have come up in the past few years, you know, different types of movements and, and things like that, we, we have to be able to find that joy, that joy within ourselves within our all the parts of our communities, then it doesn't mean that it comes at the expense of one or the other. It means that we can do all of that at the same time. And sometimes it's finding the time to be able to hold up this and then hold up that. But it's not that I don't want to hold up this one because I'm trying to do it myself. It's that, hey, I got you and I got me and I got this over here. And I hope that you understand that I'm trying to juggle all of these things at once. And I hope you can see that. You know, like you said, when you go... At the end, wherever you go into the afterlife and your God looks down upon you and is like, here's the list of everything that you did. You or you're go, not God. It's fine. <laughs> or you're not God. Yeah. Or you're or you're not God. Whoever yeah, is up there. Whoever is reading off the things. You're reincarnated and you never get to see any <laughs> yeah. of this. Whoever's reading off all the things that you did in your life, you can look at that and be like, yeah, I was proud of that person. Um, it's the, it's I think internet. that's what that is. Like trying and making the effort to balance those things out. <laughs> It just reads it back to you when you die. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so I, I'm curious because I, I mean, I agree. I hated the fact that the, you know, during the black lives movement, people were all up in arms against it and the whole, you know, all lives matter thing. And oh, I just was so annoyed with people saying, no, it's, it's, uh, it's everyone's lives that matter. And so, um, the uh, I have a question for you guys. I mean, while you were doing like all these 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 movements, or just when you start, you know, looking mm. at different in- intersexualities, I've just been doing the YMCA like constantly. Do you find too many things because of that? Do you find more? Like, oh, I found this, and I'm helping out this community, but then that dive, you know, diverses, divert, what's the diverts. word? Diverts, diverts into another community, and then another community, and then and then you know, you're getting too overwhelmed. Um, how do you stay focused on, I guess, what's, what's what your original task was or what you're uh, um, trying to to help out with? I don't think this is a good answer, but this is how I handle things like that is I basically try to get all the information about everything until I can't. And, but I like I follow every curiosity and I follow every kind of rabbit trail or whatever as long as I feel like it's in the same thread of whether it's a social justice movement or a theological or philosophical line of thought or thinking or you know whatever. I just explore like a thing for as far as I feel like I can until I get full, and then I like return back into myself and like continue to just live my life. Come on, lights. Um, and what happens for me, oh my, okay. What happens for me is like after learning all of those things, I think one or two of those things will naturally bubble up 
into well, this is where I can put my energy in. So mm-hmm. I just like, but having learned and listened and explored and done all that thinking, like I'm able to be like, oh, you know what? I remember this other perspective. And so this thing that I'm doing now, I wonder what it looks like from this perspective, or I wonder what it looks like from that perspective, or is this a conversation that this other group is even having? You know what I mean? Like, and I hope that I can just like, while I'm exploring topics, I hope that I can find whether it's voices to listen to or actual, ideally actual people to know um, that can like talk with them about, like that's how I handle those kinds of things. Um, Yeah. It's just like, I just explore as far as curiosity takes me, but like I trust myself and maybe this is just like I at this point in my life hopefully I've done enough work that I can trust myself this much but um I trust myself enough to like to care about those things in perpetuity but just to let my time exploring be a time of exploration and learning so that my action can then be informed by those things instead of just being like oh I got to do this I'm going to act on it oh I got to do this I'm going to act on that oh I got to do this I'm going to act on it like I don't think of it so much as like um new plates that I have to keep spinning. I think of it as I have a a plate and I'm entering a buffet line and I'm just going to fill the plate up with like kind of everything until I go back for round two. And then I'm like, Oh, these are my favorites. I'm going to get those things. Way to bring it back to food. That's just who I am as a person. <laughs> I think that's a good metaphor for yeah. how one can go about trying to balance all these, trying to be, involved in all of these different causes and feel like you understand what's going on in each of those different things in each of the different communities and feel like you're actually making an impact or doing something about it. Um, you got to fill up your plate with however much you can handle. And when you, if you overextend yourself, you also have to be ready to recognize that you've done that and then be willing to step back and, uh, your question actually made me think of something that Liz Kleinrock, former guest of the show posted today about, or maybe it was yesterday about all of this, all of the things that have been going on. Um, and she said on the last slide, it was like the call to action slide. The first thing she said was to breathe. So take a breath because you're not the savior of all of these problems. Like you're not going to be the one person that changes everything and fixes racism and does all of this. Or like that's, that's what I got from it, at least. Um, and I thought that was so true because, like, for me, as everyone knows, you know, I get really hyper into something that I really like or I'm really passionate about and can lead to burnout or whatever the case may be. But, like, especially when you get really passionate about something, you can take on this mindset like, oh, if I'm not involved to nth degree, the movement will suffer because I'm not part of it or something like that. And I think getting away from that mindset and knowing that it's okay because it's not all on your shoulders. Like there are other people who are doing the work too. And it takes all of us doing the work to actually be able to move forward. That's when for me, I can find the balance a little bit more because it's like, okay, it's not all on my shoulders in order to make sure things are happening or make sure progress is being made. Progress was being made before I ever came along. Progress will be made far after I'm gone. I am a tiny blip within the larger multiverse of things that are happening to make sure that hopefully we live in a better world whenever I'm gone or we're all gone. So for example, um, it's also Jewish American heritage month this month. And I posted today was just like, Hey, Oh, because there was, I I saw somebody post about another anti-Semitic assault that had happened in New York. And I was just like, 
okay, the, I feel like this is not talked about hardly ever. And part of that problem is that I'm not talking about it. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to drop everything that I've been doing and only focus on the Jewish community and what's going on there. But it's like, here are people who I follow that I do learn from about these things. And I have a lot further to go to actually be what I consider a good ally to the Jewish community because I don't really know what's going on and I don't amplify as much as I can. So I think it's a lot about the effort of what you're putting into uh, when it comes to the people that you're advocating for. And I think that the effort itself is is what the impact will be. It's greater than the intent because you can always go in with good intentions, but you know, your good intentions don't do anything if you don't do anything. And so what is, what is the impact of your action? And so if right now it's just amplification that I can provide, you know, I'm hoping that will leave a better impact going forward. And if there comes a time where my uh, buffet plate has more room to be able to lean into uh, a different cause to the Jewish American cause, then I'll be able to do that and I'll give to that. So I don't think we can, or I don't think we should get so hung up on, oh, I'm not doing enough for this community or that community. I think it's more recognizing, oh, maybe I can do a little bit more and seeing what that might be that we can do. Good question. Yeah, that was a yeah. very good question. Yeah. And we all have to leave now. So yeah. <laughs> Speaking of buffets, Scene. and, and we're not doing buffets. a snack today, I... We we apologize on that, but uh, we will come back. We'll do two snacks next time. How about that? I can't promise that. <laughs> I can't promise any more snacks. Just kidding. I don't even Nathan know where the box. I do. Actually, no snacks. Snacks. So we do so many more snacks. <laughs> like, so we, we we're doing do snacks for snacks. the next three months. <laughs> snacks forever, baby. Snacks for, forever, wow. baby. There's okay. some good ones in there. I specifically got some chocolate ones just for you too. Yes. My yeah, so. guy, I know how much Jerry hates Korean that, chocolate. so I'm going to say it. What? <laughs> I don't really care for Korean chocolate. Korean it's just not enough chocolate, chocolate for me. Hmm. Well, no, I do no. like it. Anyways. You want the chocolate? You want the strawberry or the banana? <laughs> I don't know. It's you, At this point, you got to pick one. But At this point, you got to pick. But at yeah. this point, we are going to say our goodbyes. So yes. if you want to so. continue following along with this conversation, <laughs> make sure you check us out, johnchyshow.com. You can go there, support, find all the different ways that you can support us. You can find us on all the social media channels at John Chi Show. We like to read your emails. So if you want to do that, send us one at John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. We are also voicemail capable. So if you would like to leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show and answer your, any of your questions or comments or concerns, you can call us and leave us a message at 972-677-8867. I am at Patrick in the World on Instagram. He is at KJ Relke, wherever he wants to be found on the internet. And he is at N N N N N on Instagram. There's a couple ends in there. There's a couple ends in there. At N on Instagram. All right. And speaking of support, thank you, Kim Park, for buying a shirt. We appreciate that. And Alicia, Maddie, always, you know, being a monthly sponsor. Thank you for that. Our guest form is filling up, so we will get back to everyone as soon as we can. Thank you for everyone for waiting, and we will get to you as soon as we can. Yep. Can't wait to hear your stories. That is it for the show. Until next week, John Chi Heyo. Where are those?
Soundboard Sounds app? Where do I download them from? Okay.